Well, we're in Ephesians chapter number four, and I believe we have outlines for tonight for the study that we're going to look at in the scriptures together. So I hope you grabbed one of those uh, on your way in. And what the Lord has placed on my heart to uh, cast some vision for for our church, and it's on a practical scale, is the culture of our church. And what I want to speak to you about tonight is what I have called the need for a culture shift in our church. Now, the introductory material that I'm going to give to you tonight, I'll be honest, it didn't originate with me, but God used it so much in my life um, as I began to think about the needs of our ministry uh, that I want to share it with you. And great churches are filled with multiple intangibles. All right? When people come to a great church, they tend to say things like, I really like it here. It's really friendly here. I feel really welcome here. I wish that our place was more like this. When, some, when a person can come to a place like that and, and they listen to and they, they want to say statements like that, what they're really saying is, I love the culture of this place. This is a place where I would truly like to belong. And uh, when we talk about culture, I'm trying to help you understand what I mean by the word culture. What is culture? Well, it's more than a building, the environment, or the colors on the wall. It is a bunch of intangibles created and guarded by the people, in that, the people that, 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 that are in that culture. And uh, that's something that I want us to be able to wrap our minds around as a church. And so a couple statements by, by way of introduction uh, that I want you to note down in your notes. First off is this. Healthy cultures never happen by accident. Healthy cultures never happen by accident. Over time, the culture of a ministry naturally tends to get worse, not better. In other words, you're not going to wake up one day and say, wow, we have a really good culture. How did that happen? That's not how it's going to happen. Uh, because we have a natural gravitation as people to go in the wrong direction and not in the right direction. And so unless we're intentionally uh, seeking the Lord to help us move in the right direction, that is not the direction we're going to go. Jeremiah chapter 17 uh, and Jeremiah chapter 17, verse number 9, tells us that our hearts are desperately wicked. Who can know it? And uh, that tells us the condition of our heart. And it also tells us the natural inclination that we have as individuals. The natural bent of our human hearts is not towards that which is good, but is towards that which is e evil. And so healthy cultures are developed through intentional leadership. Through intentional choices made by the people that exist in an institution. And if we're going to have a healthy culture, it will not happen by accident. It will only happen by us being intentional to be able to see that come to pass. And ultimately, a spiritually healthy culture can only be developed by the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, the only way that we can have a spiritually healthy culture as a church is not by all of us trying to keep a list of things that we should do to be a better church. That's not what I'm trying to get at here tonight. 
The only way that we could become uh, the type of church that God wants us to be is as we allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in our hearts, each one of us individually, to embrace the principles of his word and live them out. That's why I have you in Ephesians chapter 4. If you look there with me, if you're there, say amen. In Ephesians chapter 4, I want you to notice what the Bible tells us starting in verse number 1. And the Apostle Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, and endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so the Bible here begins to challenge us to walk worthy of this vocation that we've been called to. As believers in Christ, we are called to live a different way than the people of this world naturally live their lives. And uh, our primary responsibility is to live in such a way where we come in unity with how the Holy Spirit of God is leading us to live. You know what? If every single believer in this church walked in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, we would have no problem with unity. Because if we'd all be in tune with God, I guarantee we'd all be in tune with each other. The problems come when we get away from that. Problems come when we get back to our natural bent, humanly speaking, towards that which isn't good, towards that which is evil. And so our natural gravitation is to uh, tend to uh, uh, start leaning in a direction that is not good when it comes to the culture of the church. And so again, healthy cultures never happen by accident. Here's statement number two. Your culture is the combination of what you create and what you allow. Your culture is a combination of what you create and what you allow. Now, it's one thing for us to make a statement like, you know, we really care about people here. But when you make a statement like that, and then you go through a crisis, nobody calls you, nobody notices, nobody reaches out. What's true? You say, oh, this is a really friendly place. When a person walks in here and they sit down, nobody says hi. Oh, they might be saying hi in their clicks, but nobody says hi to them. Can we really say we have a friendly culture? You understand what I mean? See, our culture is a combination of what we create. We can say, well, we want to be friendly. Well, we, we, we want to be a compassionate church and love each other. But it's not just dependent on what we create. It's also contingent on what we allow. In fact, I'd go so far as to say this. A bad culture is fostered more by what we permit than by what we proclaim. So if we stand in a conversation and someone starts to gossip, if we do not say something to stop it, we are allowing a culture to be, to be created in our church of gossip by our saying nothing. You understand what I mean? Our culture is contingent just as much on what we, uh, what we permit as it is on what we create. And each one of those things are things that I've had to come face to face with. Because there are many things I'd like to say are true about our church. And all of them are positive. <coughs> but I also have to recognize that we've permitted some things within this body that ought not be permitted. And it needs to stop. And this is an area we desperately need to move forward in as a church. Understanding what a healthy culture is. 
So as I said, healthy cultures, number one, never happen by accident. Number two, your culture is the combination of what you create and what you allow. Number three, the number one force that determines your culture are your values. Write that down. The number one force that determines your culture is your values. The age-old principle says belief determines what? Behavior. Say that with me. Belief determines behavior. In other words, what you, what you do is more revealing of what you actually believe than what you say you believe. Because what you really believe, you will act on. And the Bible says so much. Turn your Bibles to James chapter 2 with me. Uh, and this, and this may be in your notes as well. I'm not sure. Uh, but James chapter number 2 and verse number 17. If you're there, say amen. amen. Is this in your notes? Yes. Okay. Well, some of you are cheating. You were already there, all right? James chapter 2 and verse 17, the Bible says this, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show, my th show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. In other words, uh, uh, your belief determines your behavior. What you actually believe is going to be manifested more by what you do than by what you say. And so if we say um, that we want to have a certain kind of culture, but we allow or act in a different way, then it reveals what is actually true in our lives, whether we want to admit it or not. So number four, this introductory principle, if you want a different culture, change what you value. If you want a different culture, change what you value. We don't have to sit vainly wishing that we could change. We don't have to think, well, I just don't know. You know, this is kind of how it's always been around here, and uh, I guess it's how it's always going to be. We don't have to resign ourselves to uh, just embrace our weaknesses and say that there's no way that we could overcome them because God has given us all the resource, resources that we need to be able to see effectual change brought in our lives and corporately as a church. And uh, this is something that I believe that we need to be willing to let God do in our lives as a church this year. Go to Romans chapter 12 with me, and this may be in your notes as well. Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2, uh, one of the most important principles on this matter. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In order for us to be able to see uh, uh, our church moving in the direction of embracing a healthy culture, here's where it will start. It starts with a surrendered heart that produces a renewed mind that results in a transformed life. I'll say that again. It starts with a surrendered heart that results in a transformed or a renewed mind that brings about a transformed life. In other words, we're going to have to allow God to speak to us on the heart level and reveal some areas where we have not had the right culture. And in, and in recognizing our weaknesses, it will allow us to come to a place so we can have a change of mind. And so you know what? This isn't right. And this needs to change. And that change starts with me. And the effect of that will result 
and a, trans and a transformed life for you and a transformation in this church corporately as well. My heart's desire is that our church would see a culture shift this year in some vitally, vitally important areas. Now, last uh, summer, I reviewed a book that I had read years ago that was called uh, Good to Great. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's a business uh, practice, uh, big business uh, type book. Uh, but there are some, uh, some good principles that are in this book. And uh, Jim, Collins, Jim Collins is the one who wrote this book. And he took in this book, he took 30 different comparison uh, organizations. And uh, um, they were all uh, similar to each other uh, in, in their size and in their scale. And he took all of these different organizations um, and, and, and did a deep dive study on each one of these. And these were 30 different comparison companies uh, that, that demonstrated. Uh, and, and as he did the comparison with them, he found the reason why some of them rose to greatness while others of them declined into obscurity. Uh, and some of the notable ones that you would know would be Walgreens and, and Kroger and Gillette. Uh, those kinds of things, those kinds of businesses were involved in this study that he did. And so for each of these organizations, there was a similar process that they undertook, um, the successful companies undertook, that led them to superior results. And we'll share those with you briefly here. First off, they got the right people on their team. And then second, they confronted the brutal facts about where they were actually at as an organization. Third, they honed in their mission to a very simple concept that everyone could understand. And then fourth, they developed a culture of discipline around which all of their employees and the people in their organization ra uh, rallied, uh, which when they were able to hone in that culture of discipline, it did away for the need of deep bureaucracy, all these policies and rules and regulations to keep everybody in line. And then finally, when they got on track, they enhanced all their efforts by using modern technology. And I'll just summarize that, 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 that whole book in just a few statements there. But as I read that book this summer, the, one of the things that the Lord spoke to my heart about was the simple power that can exist in a culture shift taking place. When a group of people will embrace some ideas and come together around them, it can powerfully impact a group for a good cause. And as much as this is true in the secular world, as this man describes, how much more true should it be for us, spiritually speaking? Because if we as a church would allow the Holy Spirit of God to bring some truth, some principles from His Word that ought to be important to our hearts and minds, how much more significant could a culture shift be and how much more significant could a culture, uh, should a culture shift be for, for a group of born-again baptized believers? It should be a lot more uh, significant. And uh, that's something that, uh, that we need to wrap our minds around. So it is my prayer that God will use some of the principles that we're going to talk about tonight to produce such a culture shift at our church. And as God is, has, has worked in my heart about where we're at currently... As a church, uh, I, I believe that there is so much positive and so much positive that can be said. And as I prayed about where we're at as a church, I had to come face to face with some brutal facts that we are not exactly where we should be. There are some weaknesses 
There are some outright wrong things when it comes to the culture of our church that should not be permitted. And even today, with some circumstances that happened today, I was, I've, I've been reminded uh, here and there about exactly some of the things that we're going to be talking about here tonight. And as I took time to assess the state of uh, the culture of our church, there are several positive things and several negative things, but I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to allow it just to be my own perspective. So here's what I did. Last summer, I sent out a questionnaire to several people in our church. Not everybody was able to respond, uh, but several people in our church, people in leadership, people who weren't in leadership, um, and, 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 on, and on down the line. Across the spectrum, I asked several people in our church to tell me some positive and some negative aspects of the culture of our church. I'm just going to read to you verbatim the results I got back from that questionnaire from the people in our church. When it comes to the positive aspects of our culture, here's what you came up with. Uh, you said that we have a very, uh, we have a bi uh, biblical preaching, a priority on the truth is a part of our culture here. That we have a friendly family feel in our church. We're gospel-centered and evangelistic. We have discipleship and spiritual growth as our, as our focus and a good system for spiritual growth. We have community, uh, good, act, good activities and, and, and involvement in our community. We have balance between the home and the ministry and away from legalism, uh, having less of a legalistic approach to ministry in general. Stewardship was a positive um, that was brought up for our church. A passion for youth and uh, the uh, LCA ministry and our teen ministry and vacation Bible school were mentioned specifically with that. And then a love for our country. Uh, several people noted that we're a church that, that, that loves our country. And these were positive elements of our culture as a church. But I have to be honest, as I got back those reviews from different people in our church, it wasn't all positive. So let me read you the other list. Here's the negative aspects of our culture. This is not just coming from me. This is coming from us. Unorganized. When it comes to tech, sometimes children's ministry and announcements, those things were mentioned specifically. Volunteerism was a word that was used. We call for volunteers instead of equipping servant leaders. Number three, pettiness and gossip and being critical instead of unity. Now, as I read these things, don't look around and say, yeah, that's that person over there, okay? <laughs> uh, that won't help. Number four, shallow community. We have surface level relationships, an us for and no more mentality. We see each other on Sunday and we don't see each other any other time. Five, lack of helpers. Uh, number six was a lack of benevolence, the people who are in need. Number seven, a reservation to worship. All right, enter every, every Baptist church you've ever seen, right? But it, I don't think that's a positive aspect for sure. Reservation to worship. Number eight, listed in indifference to evangelize. An indifference to evangelize. Corporately we do it, but individually we struggle with personal evangelism. And number nine, an inconsistency to exercise church discipline. When people, when people really need it. And I looked at all of these things. And I got to be honest. Both lists are true. To some degree. 
We are strong in some areas and we are weak in other areas. And as I began to pray about this list, the Lord began to work in my heart about the fact that we need to face some brutal realities as a church. There's a lady who wrote a story in a book, and I don't have time to read the whole thing, but I'll summarize it. Her little girl came to her one day, and she asked her, Mommy, are we villagers? She was dressed all in her princess outfit. She had her princess crown on. And as she began to talk to her little daughter, she asked her some questions, and she came to realize that in her five-year-old mind, she was realizing for the first time, Mommy was not really a queen, and she was not really a princess. And it completely crushed her world. <laughs> and there's a whole lot more to that story there. But I share that story just to say, sometimes it's necessary for us in order to grow up to face the brutal facts of how things actually are. Because that's the only way that we can recognize them and grow beyond them. And I told you that our culture is created through what we value. And the truth is, in some respects, we've been valuing the right things. But in other respects, more so because we permitted it to be so than I think that we've actually tried to make it so, we valued some of the wrong things as well. We valued convenience over doing what's right. Right, we've, and I could go down the line and, 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 and bring application for all these things. I don't have time to do that. But if we are going to see our culture shift in the direction that I believe God wants us to go in, we are going to have to not just have a culture shift, but we are going to have to have a value shift as a church and start valuing the things that ought to matter uh, in order to develop a healthy culture. So in evaluating both the negative and the positive aspects of the culture of this ministry, God has moved me to adopt some new values to guide us forward in developing a healthy and vibrant, vibrant culture in this ministry. I want you to understand something. Organizations don't change people. Programs don't change people. People change, and then people change organizations. And if change is going to happen at Lighthouse Baptist Church, it's not going to be because we try to make change happen on an organizational level. It's, if change is going to happen here, it is going to happen because each one of us allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in our hearts and bring about that change through us. Okay, and it can't just be me, say, me saying up here, this is what we need to be. We need to embrace the principles of Scripture and understand we are not where we need to be as a church. And this year, the goal is for us to become a church with a healthier culture. Now, I don't want you to walk out of here and say, well, Pastor really bashed us tonight and said, well, we're just not where we should be. I believe God's blessed us with a great church. But church, I don't want to settle for me me a mediocrity. I don't want to settle for something less than God's best. I want to go forward this year. And as we continue to grow, I want this to be a place that we truly desire it for it to be. More importantly, I want this to be the place that God desires for us to be. And these are the cultures of discipline that we need to see developed in order to see that happen. And I'm going to, I'm going to give these to you quickly. I'm not going to expound them, expound them very much tonight. We'll come back and park on them at a later date. But I'm going to give them to you now, and here's what I'm giving them to you for. I want you to take them home. I want you to read them slowly. I want you to meditate on them. And I want you to think about 
the areas you need to grow in when it, when it comes to being a part of seeing this culture shift happen in our church. So here are, these, here are these values that I want you to write down. The first one you can write down is worship, is worship. As a church, we focus everything we do on Jesus. This is a statement that I want us to come to embrace as a body. As much as we've embraced the mission of making, maturing, and multiplying disciples of Jesus Christ, I have it in my heart that we get these values, these core values down in our hearts as well. And it becomes a part of our identity, who we are as a body of believers. We are a, a church that worships the Lord. We, we focus everything we do on Jesus. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1 verse 21, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Listen, Jesus is the reason we live. And every area of our lives is an expression of worship to Him we want to be a church who puts Jesus first and puts Jesus only in our lives. Worship needs to be a value for us. It, that, that, that really defines everything we do as a body. Here's the second one. Surrender. Have a culture of surrender. In a statement, here's what that looks like. We live by the truth of God's word. Surrender. We live by the truth of God's word. I'll expand that a little bit. We believe God's truth is the sole authority for what we believe and how we live. We study God's word and submit to its truth because we believe it is the only firm foundation on which to build our lives. And as a reference for this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, where the Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We want to have a culture where we do everything we do for God. We focus everything we do on God. And we live by the truth of God's word. If God's word says it, we're going to obey it. That's the culture that we have here third one evangelism evangelism in a statement or in a, in a sentence we engage people with the gospel all oh, my heart longs for this to be our culture and not just for one or two people that we say oh well they're really gifted in that area no as a church we engage people with the gospel our goal is always to get to the gospel with people. That desperately needs to become a part of our culture corporately as a church. The greatest need of every person is Jesus. And we believe that it is our privilege and duty to share the gospel with every person we meet because Jesus alone has the power to save and transform every life. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. A culture of evangelism. Here's the next one. Faith. A culture of faith. We live by faith. This needs to become a part of our culture as a church. We live by faith. I like this definition. We are faith-filled, big-thinking risk-takers. We will never insult God with small faith or safe living. It goes right along with our theme this year. <laughs> Listen, we're not going to retreat. We are not going to draw back. 
We are not going to uh, 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 not believe that God has the ability to come through for us. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them who diligently seek Him. We have a culture of faith here at our church. The next one is unity. Unity, and this is a big one. This is a big, big area we need to grow in as a body. To develop a culture of unity. We unite around biblical truth. Can you read that out loud with me? We unite around biblical truth. That needs to be an anthem that we embrace as a body. Our common faith in Jesus and our divine mission brings us together as a church. And we commit to stand for biblical truth, to put aside petty differences, and to hold each other accountable because we are better together. Would to God that we could come to believe that as a body. Be willing to actually embrace these ideas. To put aside our petty differences and come together for what really matters. The cause of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Philippians 1.27, Only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together. That's the call of Scripture. Here's the next culture. Service. A culture of service. In a sentence... We genuinely and joyfully serve Jesus. I love this one. I believe that there's, to some measure, I believe that to some measure this is already true in, in many respects, but it's a culture I'd like to see continue. Service. We genuinely and joyfully serve Jesus. We enjoy serving in ministry. Serving Jesus is a privilege, not a duty. We serve because we love Jesus and we want to share his love with others. And I like what the Bible says to this point in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the, the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. I have a culture of service here. We enjoy and genuinely love serving in ministry for the Lord. The next one is stewardship. 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 Here's the sentence. We intentionally and sacrificially use God's blessings. We intentionally and sacrificially use God's blessings. As stewards of God's blessings, we intentionally and sacrificially use what God has given to us to further His kingdom. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And we want to have a culture that as we understand God blesses us, we want to use what God has given us to advance His kingdom work. That's a part of what our identity must be as a church. And here's the last one. We're almost done. Balance. Balance. Now from, from the beginning when I came to Lighthouse, this is one that God very much burdened my heart about. Balance. And here's the statement. We believe family is our first ministry. We believe family is our first ministry. Now, all of us have heard of 
churches in particular that have reversed the order here. And uh, I know for me as a preacher, there's so many preachers in particular that have allowed the ministry to trump everything. And we can't allow that to be so. Here's an expanded statement. We believe family is our first ministry. We prioritize family because our church will never be stronger than the families that make up our church. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if a man provide not for his own, and especially those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Yes, we want to be a church who is faithful to the Lord and who exalts the Lord and does everything, uh, everything to be focused on God primarily. We cannot allow the things of the ministry to cause us to ever neglect our families. Our families are our first ministry. By the way, be able to be married, be able to have children, they're one of the greatest privileges on this side of eternity. And we cannot forget it, church. We've got to steward it. So by the way, when somebody doesn't make it to something because they were putting their family first, that's a good thing. Now, if your family comes first every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday and you never come, and uh, that, that may be a different story. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But it's a good thing. It's a good culture to prioritize your ministry to your family. Now, the truth is, it takes a substantial amount of time to change a toxic culture. I don't have time to talk about this as, as long as I'd like to, but I was brought up going to a, a camp, and the, the quote on the wall in the back of the camp said, it is easier to train boys and girls than it is to repair men and women. All right? We might put it in this way in our modern vernacular, uh, a common statement you've heard, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, that's the same statement. The truth is, for those of us who have lived a lifetime doing things a certain way, to be willing to change is a big ask. So the question we need to ask ourselves before we conclude is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? I mean, pastor, aren't things growing anyways? I know I'm cranky sometimes, and I know that I gossip sometimes, and I know, well, we're still growing. Why change? Because we can be better. Because if we don't, the people who are going to be negatively impacted are the young ones sitting in these pews right here. There's no guarantee that this ministry will continue. And if we allow the negative aspects to continue to rise and build, I can guarantee you we will destroy ourselves from within. And so the only way to go forward is to do it God's way. And I'm challenging us as a church this year to embrace these healthy principles, these cultures of discipline. And I'm asking you to go home this week and take this list and evaluate your own heart. If there's any way in your life that you have been a source of disunity, for example, it's time to make some changes so that we can maintain a culture of discipline, a culture of unity in this church family. And, and, and in every one of these, I want you to consider how God would work in your heart 
And each one of us be willing to embrace uh, the healthy culture that I believe that God is calling us to embrace as a church family. So changing the culture of the church, it starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with each one of us being willing to allow God to change our values. And when we change what we view as valuable, it will change the culture of our church as a result. Let's bow our heads together. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Very practical tonight with a lot of the things that we were talking about. But here's the question I want to ask you as we lead into an invitation. What do your actions say about what you value? You might look at this list and say, yes, pastor, that's what I want. But what do your actions actually say about what you value? And the follow-up question to that is, as the Holy Spirit convicts your heart about perhaps some areas that need to be dealt with, are you willing to change? That's what I want to challenge you to talk to God about during this invitation. And let's have a spirit that's willing to surrender to the Lord and follow what God's leading us to do as we seek to go forward this year. Let's all...